Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Frank Zakari. Frank, you are the CEO of Life Altering Events, and you're found on the web at frankzakari.com. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure, Josh. I should also point out, fellow military veteran served in the Air Force. Uh, when was that? And what did you do? I served in the Air Force in the early 70s, 72 to 76, if memory serves me correct. <laughs> I was a military medic. And uh, while, I, while the Vietnam War was going on, I was one of the lucky ones and did not, I was not a combat veteran. We did yeah. see people who had been wounded, who had been returned and tried to help them recover. But I was not a, a, a military or a combat, I'm not a combat veteran. Wow. Uh, well, and then from, from there, uh, at some point, you become an expert in helping uh, companies. Uh, we don't use the word turnaround. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> Uh, but but you've done a lot of great work in uh, helping relaunch. That's the, that's the right word, right? That's the term that is less offensive, I'm finding. It all started, Josh. I was in the Air Force and I was 21 years old and I ran a pediatric clinic because higher ranking people didn't want to deal with 90 crying children a day. So the hospital commander said, Frank, see if you can get volunteers to come in and, and be your support staff. Okay, so now you have Red Cross volunteers. Now you had to learn at 21 years old, you better know how to collaborate. You better know how to, to convince people in your vision. You better be able to get them to buy in and, and show them that you've got their back because volunteers don't have to come back. Mm. So we put together a nice program, nice package. We had a waiting list of people who wanted to come and work in the pediatric clinic. From there, I left. I got out of the military. I finished school and got into the high-tech sector with a company called NCR. And I was put in a position where um, we want you to go after multi-million dollar bids. All right. Now, NCR at the time only had hardware. Well, hardware is not a solution. That's one piece. So now I had to do that collaboration again and find people who had application software, who had the technical skills, who were the industry experts in that particular area that we were going to and put together what we call tiger teams. And those tiger teams would go in and hopefully win the deal. And then they would stay on that project. Now on the ground, we had what we call, for lack of a better name, we called them the bird dogs. And these are the people who were out scouting, looking for opportunities. Their job was identify an opportunity, bring it in, and then we'll bring the Tiger team in to go on and win the deal. So that served me very, very well. And we did a lot of big multi-million dollar businesses. AT&T bought NCR. I stayed with them for a couple of years and then went out to a smaller organization that uh, was a, an AT&T NCR uh, supplier. Okay, now if you've ever gone from a big corporation to a small corporation, they lie to you because they're not publicly traded. So you can't see all their financials. So you get there and you look at it and say, oh my God, you're going to run out of cash in 10 months. So you meet with the owners. What is it you want to do when you grow up? Put together the strategy and the plan to make that happen. So that was the start of my relaunch life. 
All right, mm-hmm. we got them. Uh, we made, she said, I want to be made pretty and sold. So in three years, we got them pretty, we sold them. And then it, from there, it was just word of mouth. I went to four or five, five other ones. And while I was there, knock on wood, none of them failed. They were all in great, <laughs> great difficulty. But sitting down with the people, understanding the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then encouraging people is one of the things I would say is tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly with every staff. And the bad and the ugly comes up very fast. And then I would ask them one question. If you had the power to do one thing to make this better, what would you do? And Joshua was like, oh, my God, you're in the headlights. And they said, well, no one's ever asked that. And I said, well, I'm asking. And so they would tell me what they thought. And I said, okay, good. You're in charge. Do it. And all of a sudden, we started seeing a, uh, a re-energizing of, of, the, of the workforce. They said, wow. First off, does this guy, is he actually going to fall through, number one? And secondly, no one's ever asked us about this. And then we had to celebrate these little victories. So we tried to put this in place and look, look at the progress that we made. This is good. We're making progress. Now, what else can we do? And all of a sudden, we had this, this whole resurgence of these organizations, and they went from on the verge of going under to becoming profitable again and sometimes wildly profitable again. And so that went on for uh, many years, many years. Uh, my, my then wife left. I then had custody of my two young daughters, and that was the end of high tech because I traveled like two weeks out of every month. So I, uh, we left Seattle. I was CEO of two companies in Seattle at the time. Left Seattle, came to Sacramento where my children were born, and I took over an insurance agency because I had to be a full-time father. Okay, now going from proactive in, in industry in, uh high tech to reactive industry insurance was like dying and going to hell. But it was a means to an end. I had to get these, I had to get my children uh, raised through school and and getting jobs. I didn't particularly care for the insurance world, but I was very successful. Again, it was another relaunch. The organization didn't make a lot of profit. So we completely retooled what it was we were going to do. We changed the target customer. We changed how we were going to go about doing what we do. We changed what we were going to be doing. And an entity that made less than $5,000 in gross profit in 18 months made $750,000. And in the 13 years I owned it, it averaged over $400,000 a year in profit, even with all the fires in California. We still made profit because we were very selective on who we wanted as a customer. And when you go in and you do these relaunches, that's one of the first things that we talk about is who's your customer? Yeah. Who's your target customer? Who do you want it to be? And I hear so many people, Josh, say, well, I want everybody. No. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want everybody. No, everybody. no, no, no. Right, right. What's just, you know, for, for those, why is he laughing? Explain why why we're kind of laughing at that. Why, why you don't want to say everybody. When you say everybody, you're basically saying nobody. Because now mm. you're willing to take on mediocrity and people that are just going to drain and suck the life out of you. Yeah. And we, when I was in the tech world, we had a lot of those kind of customers like that. And they, it was creeping scope. You do a job. Oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you? And when the company was, oh, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, a $200,000 job that you're getting paid for becomes a $400,000 effort. And you're not getting paid for that extra amount of time. So it was very clear. This is a statement of work. This is what we're going to do. And if, and if the customer doesn't meet the criteria that you want to do business with, then they're not a good fit. They're just simply not. And then you get in the insurance world, it's even worse. Because a lot of the people you inherit want the lowest amount of insurance and they always pay late. And all you're doing is reinstating policies. Okay. Yeah. So target who fits your model. 
And then you put in your time and your energy going after that. Now, you don't refuse anybody else's business, but where you put your time, effort, and money is in who your target is. Yeah. Do you see any patterns, Frank, in terms of, um, you know, companies that you work with or, you know, in your experience, companies that they stall out, they, they start a kind of a downward slide, um, you know, some of these factors are going to be related to the economy, uh, you know, market factors for sure. But what what else, what do you see? What I've seen more and more is is uh, they get lazy. That's, you can't tell them that, but there's a, there's this tendency to either overextend or rest on your laurels. Hey, we're doing pretty good. Things are going well, and then they they take their eye off the ball. And then all of a sudden, competition starts to come in. And some of the processes and procedures, and they're not, they're not adjusting and updating and staying current with what's going on. And they find themselves behind the eight ball. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you know, we got complacent. People started catching up with us. Our top people said, uh, you know, this, this isn't working anymore. Your top people, when your top people start leaving, you got a problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they know that there's something better out there. And Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great, right? One of the things that yeah. he said in the book was, that if you accept mediocrity, that's what you're going to have because your good people are going to leave because they don't want that. They want people who are going to work. And as luck would have it, one time I'm flying across country from from, uh, Atlanta to Denver and I had first-class upgrades. Remember when we had first-class upgrades? And so I'm sitting up in first class, the man sits next to me, we get talking, as you do. And he asked me what I did. And I said, well, I do turnarounds of failing companies because that was appropriate then, that word. And he said, I'm a consultant like everybody else in the world. And he says, let me ask you a question. You got nine employees, three top flight people, three mediocre, three terrible ones. What do you do? And I said, well, I leave the three good ones alone. I get rid of the three lousy ones. And I see if I can raise the level of the mediocres. And he goes, you're going to fail. And I said, really? Why? And he goes, you spend your time with your best people. When you show your best people that you're willing to accept less than the best or mediocrity, they're going to leave. They're going to say, you're not committed to this program and you're willing to bring in people who aren't willing to do what needs to be done. Yeah. And I went, wow. Okay. So we continued talking. And at one point he opens his briefcase and there's the book, Good to Great, which had not been released at that point. And I had read his first book and I said, wow, that's a, I, I know this book was coming. I didn't know it was out yet. And he goes, well, I just, I got a, just a pre-release just came out. And as he turned the book over, his picture is on the back. And I'm looking at him, I go, oh, my God, you're him. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. And it was something I never forgot, Josh, was put your energy where you're going to get the most good, being with your best people, with your best customers, with your best suppliers. It doesn't matter who steps up to the plate. Those are the people you put your time and energy with. That's how you get a relaunch done. Yeah. Um, so, Frank, what would you say is the, um, the, the, I would say the more rewarding aspects of what you do, aside from seeing a turn, you know, from seeing a turnaround succeed, obviously, but, right. but I would imagine emotionally, you know, working with the people, what, what are your observations there? It's really interesting because you walk in and they're depressed. This, the team and yeah. the staff, they, 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 they've, they've made an effort, they made a commitment, and they're just so down and depressed and upset. And when I walked into one place, Josh, the they, uh, first meeting I had with the whole team, and one guy sat there with his arms and legs crossed, and he said, hey, I've been through seven of you. 
why is this going to be any different? And I said, well, um, at the state the company's in, there won't be an eighth because if we don't do something, this is not going to survive. So at least give it a chance. And then as you talk to individuals, you have to understand what it is that motivates them. Why are they upset? What are the reasons that, why are they still there, number one? And then what, what, is, what would keep them and make them be inspired again? And that's where that good, bad, and the ugly thing came into play. Because then I started assigning people tasks. Okay, we'll do it. You run it. Take care of it. The rewarding part is it challenges everything. So if you're good at finance, it's going to challenge that and processing and HR and personnel management and negotiation. Because sometimes you had to negotiate with the union, you had to negotiate with the banks and suppliers and creditors and everything else. And so it was putting together, here's a cohesive plan. This will work. I have done this in the past. We believe it's something that we can get back on track with. And then sitting down and keeping people in the loop. That was the most critical thing. The employees, the staff, the suppliers, the creditors, et cetera. They had to know what was going on. You cannot surprise them. That statement I learned from uh, Mr. Exley, Charles Exley, who was CEO of NCR when I was at NCR. And so I was doing this little rotation as a gopher in his office, right? The guy that puts his presentations together. And one of the things he said one time was, Frank, when you get out and you get into the, into the upper management level roles, and you have to talk to the financial analysts. As soon as you know something, you tell them. And I just listened. And he said, because if you don't tell them and they find out, it says one of two things. Number one, you lied to them. And that's not good. Number two, you don't know what the hell you're doing. And that's worse. So be upfront. Let people know what's going on. And if it's not good news, what are we going to do to adjust it? Don't just say, oh, God, throw up your hands. Just say, mm-hmm. we're trending in the wrong direction here. Now, what do we? how do we make this in-course correction? Okay, some of the time, well, I work with a lot of engineers, and some of the times you, should, you use a, a football analogy, because like in Seattle, the, the University of Washington football team was there. And I said, well, at halftime, they make an adjustment. They change what needs to be done. They see what's occurring, and they adjust. That's what we have to do. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're pivoting, pivoting being the optimum word here, because what I see here, a lot of people tell me, Josh, is we're going to pivot is I'm going to jump off the cliff. and try mm-hmm. to Pivoting, that's suicide. Yeah, pivoting. right, right. I'm good at this. Let me make an adjustment. All right. Yep. Does it make sense? Is it still in our wheelhouse? And then how do I then surround myself with the necessary people who know what I don't know? Yeah. Um, when you hear the word pivot, <laughs> it's kind of funny just hearing you talk about that. Is is your initial reaction says, well, Frank, we're going to pivot. And, yeah. and so your 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 reaction is is generally what? My reaction is, well, tell me what you mean. Yeah, right, right. Pivot can mean some different things. Yeah. Well, we were an IT company, and, and I tell you what, we're going to go into manufacturing baby bottles because <laughs> it's a hot market. <laughs> It's the, a lot of times what you see with uh, particularly entrepreneurs is the shiny object. Oh, this is good. I'm going to run over here and do this. And I'm going to run over here and do this. And the term that kind of sometimes drives me crazy is, well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And I'm sure there are very good ones. But to some, in many cases, serial entrepreneur is the guy chasing the shiny object. So stop. What are you doing? Let's focus. 
let's become really good at what we're doing rather than having a whole bunch of things, pokers in the fire, and most of them aren't going to go anywhere. Yeah. I wrote a book, my book, which is uh, Business Secrets for Walking on Water, incorporates like those 35 years of experience that I had and, and things that take out co- take companies' legs out from under them. It's not what they know. It's what they don't know. And it's not who, it's not what they know that's important. It's who they know. And are they willing to accept, to listen to, and accept help from someone who's been where they haven't been? We talked to a number. I'm a mentor with the University of California Entrepreneurship Academy, the 10 big research universities in California. Brilliant minds, brilliant minds. And I, and I meet with them. I said, well, who are your advisors? And it's a, it's a professor. It's a fraternity brother. It's uh, their uncle that used to run a gas station once upon a time. Okay. And I said, they're wonderful people, but they haven't been where you want to go. And so if something comes up that's new to you, it's certainly going to be new to them. Mm. So surround yourself with advisors who have been there and done that. Because one of the things I hear all the time is, well, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. So (laughs) you throw money down rabbit holes trying to figure it out. And that's time. And you're never getting back. Yeah, that's that's an expensive way of doing things. Costly time. uh, You lose mostly time, lost time. That's time you're never going to get back either. Yeah. Go ahead. Frank, I want to make sure because we just have a couple minutes left. Um, You've written several books. Your website, frankzakari.com. Zakari is Z-A-C-C-A-R-I.com. Listening to this podcast, you can click on the show notes, the I icon, whatever. We've got a link to Frank's website. But Frank, um, like who do you work with today? Like who would make a really great introduction for you? Who would make a real good introduction for me as a customer or a partner? Yeah. Whoa. What, what are you What are you looking to do more of? What we're going to do, uh, my partner's name is, is Gabby Ori, and we are moving. We are, we are doing a pivot, and we are we want to do something that's going to have an impact on the health and wellness. Mm. So we have taken over a brain entrainment company, and that will be coming out. We're going to convert it to a U.S. corporation and and get the marketing plan underway right now. So that'll be coming out in 2022. We're also going to be creating a series of self-care wellness centers using integrative solutions, things like tapping and meditation and acupuncture, as opposed to take these two pills and call me in the morning model, which not working real well. Mm. We have MDs, we have uh, uh, PhDs, we have psychologists, counselors, and a number of practitioners who are all buying into this idea because they said something has to change in the way we deal with our self-care, particularly in the COVID era. Because there's so many people feeling isolated and depressed and unhappy. And, and depending on what reports you read, how many people plan to leave their jobs? Well, people want to have more control. And these kinds of self-care things you can do yourself and they're repeatable and sustainable. So those things will both be coming out in 2022. And we're very excited. We're very, very excited about this. Yeah, very, very cool. All right, Frank Zakari, your website, frankzakari.com. Um, go look at all of Frank's books. Frank, you've written quite a few books, including uh, the newest one, right? Business Secrets for Walking on Water. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. It came out June 9th, uh, June 29th, and it was bestseller at three o'clock Eastern or three o'clock California time on the same day. It was stunned. Yeah, uh, there's a three book series. The second book is is written. It's getting it's in it's being formatted 
right now, and it's called Business and Professional Secrets for Avoiding Relationship Landmines. So mm. the first book focused more on business issues. The second one focuses more on relationships, both professional and personal, because what I learned, so, and I failed miserably at it, was you cannot separate your personal life and your professional life. They cannot be separated completely. I try to fail miserably. You have to give both time because if one is struggling, it's not going to be too much longer before the other one starts to struggle too. Yeah. And the third book is How to Get Unstuck. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And that we're about halfway done through the writing process. So that will probably be late 2022 before that comes out. Yeah. Awesome. Frank Zakari, you're founder of the web at frankzakari.com. Frank, you, Frank, thank you. Frank, you. Thank you, Frank, for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime, Josh. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free, no credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and reshare re you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.